0: This week on Priority One, we trek out what the masterminds behind Star Trek on CBS All Access have to say in Vanity Fair. IDW releases their first Picard Countdown comic, STLV dates are announced, and the Star Trek community mourns the loss of a pioneer in the franchise legacy. In Star Trek Gaming, We transport into a winter wonderland thanks to Q in Star Trek Online. And with that comes some interesting changes to rewards. And Star Trek Adventures continues with the minds behind Geek & Sundry's Shield of Tomorrow.
1: RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. 31 message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel.
2: Hello, Captains! You're listening to episode 440 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly report of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. Recorded live on Tuesday, December 3rd, 2019, and available for download or streaming on Friday, December 6th, At PriorityOnePodcast.com I'm Elijah And I'm Anthony Well, unfortunately, Kat is not with us this week She's still partying from Thanksgiving And will return again next week But filling in for her this week is Skiffy Thanks for joining us this week, Skiffy Well, thank you for having me I'm happy to be back Did you guys have a good Thanksgiving? Can't complain, it was great How about yours? Very well Uh, How about Anthony? I
0: am stuffed
2: Well, we did miss a week, thanks to the holiday, so let's jump into what we have in Star Trek news.
0: Well, before we do that, Elijah,
2: we want to invite
0: you, Captains, to join in on our weekly conversations. Whether via social media platforms like facebook.com forward slash priority1podcast, on Twitter or Instagram at priority1pod, or even by email to incoming at priorityonepodcast.com.
1: Maintaining these features would not be possible without the support of our patrons, listeners like you, who support the ongoing production of this show by offering a financial contribution each month. This month, we welcome a new patron, James McFarland. Thank you very much for your support. Visit us at patreon.com slash pod and check out how you can become an admiral in the Priority One Podcast listener fleet.
2: Now, of course, we understand, especially now during the holiday season, that giving up your hard-earned money to a podcast is a big ask, we understand that, but there are other ways, very important ways, that you can help and continue to support Priority One, For starters, did you notice on YouTube we've launched a new companion to this Friday episode? We released a pilot episode of our weekly summation of Star Trek news over on our YouTube channel. So, if you don't already, be sure to head over to youtube.com and subscribe to our channel. Links, of course, will be in the show notes, but if you do a search for Priority One Podcast, you will certainly find us there. Once you subscribe, make sure to like the video and, of course, hit the notification button for notifications when we publish a new video. The goal is to do these weekly along with our full episodes on Friday, so be on the lookout for those on a weekly basis. And share it with your friends.
0: We're also looking for some help. If you're interested in becoming an audio or video editor with us, please reach out to us. Our email address is incoming at priority Now,
1: let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse.
0: Jordan, I don't know. Then let's check it out.
2: Vanity Fair recently sat down to chat with two of the driving forces behind the resurgent Star Trek television universe. In the interview, Star Trek's lead showrunner Alex Kurtzman was joined by Julie McNamara, the CBS All Access Executive VP of Original Content. McNamara declared that the impending CBS and Viacom merger presented the joint company with many assets, pointing out that it wasn't certain yet how it would all come together. She said, quote, I know that streaming and CBS All Access specifically are a huge priority for the company. For something like the Star Trek universe, we are putting a ton of resources toward it." Questioned by the upcoming Picard series, Kurtzman pointed out that, while inspired by The Next Generation, the show is very much different. He says, "...it feels like a modern adult drama in the world of Star Trek, which has not actually really happened before." He also praised the franchise for being one of a few that could focus a show like this on an 80-year-old lead character's story. The pair were also asked about the forthcoming Section 31 spin-off series starring Michelle Yeoh. According to Kurtzman, Yeoh was eagerly championing the spin-off before Discovery had even premiered. Kurtzman and McNamara were both quick to highlight that Section 31 will bring us a new tonality for Star Trek, which will set it apart from other projects. In Kurtzman's words, quote, in some ways, it will be her unforgiven, I would say, end quote. That sounds
0: awesome. Like Discovery already is tonally different than a lot of the other Star Trek shows. But to go even further in that direction, I would be okay with that. And to describe it as an unforgiven starring Michelle Yeoh, take my money.
1: I'm 100% behind them exploring different styles of these different shows. I think the thing that sticks out the most about the Picard series right now is as I go back and look at, listen to different interviews, look at different articles that have been written about it, every single time they talk about the Picard series, it is prefaced with, this is not the next generation.
0: They're really trying to set up expectations that this is not the same world we left from. IDW Publishing has just released the first issue of its Star Trek Picard Countdown comic. The story is co-written by Mike Johnson and Kirsten Beyer. Over the course of the coming Countdown series stories, we will witness how Picard loses faith in the Federation and retires to solitude on his vineyard. In a packed 36 pages, this issue begins to paint a picture of huge changes in Picard's life. The pages publicly teased in the past week showed Picard in command of a new ship, which is not the USS Enterprise. In fact, the new ship, the USS Verity, will be instantly recognizable to all of our listeners familiar with Star Trek Online. The ship is clearly what Stowe players would call an Odyssey-class starship. Excitingly, this represents Star Trek Online's closest brush yet with official canon. In the issue, we're treated to the news that Geordi LaForge has been reassigned to lead development and construction of a fleet of rescue vessels to rescue planets threatened by the impending Hobus supernova. With Will Riker and Deanna Troy also revealed to be aboard the USS Titan, Picard's crew is full of new faces, including a new first officer. Picard and the USS Verity are operating in and around the Romulan neutral zone, working to ensure peaceful cooperation as the Federation offers to help the Romulan people escape Hobus. While we don't want to spoil anything in the story for you, it goes without saying that where Romulans are involved, there are secrets to be found. And, where Romulan secrets are found, danger and intrigue can't be far behind.
2: Overall, I really liked this first issue. As a matter of fact, I thought it was too short. I really felt like the the story could have should have gone farther. It didn't end on a, enough of a cliffhangery note where I was like, "Oh, I want to turn the page and find out." It was more like, "I'm done?" Well, that's odd. I felt like I read 3 pages even though it was 36 pages. So that's number 1. So that's how good it was. I was kind of, you know, was flying through it and enjoying it. However, and this goes to what I was going to say before about all the varying styles of Star Trek. There isn't necessarily any definitive determination whether or not The comics like the countdown series for both the jj verse and now picard along with some of the novels that have been recently released such as desperate hours and and the tilly series and the saru book it has been suggested that these should be considered canon in one way shape in canon canon let's just say canon with a capital c the problem with that is is that there's these are recent publications and they're having a hard time even honoring recent publications for example, Desperate Hours set up a great deal of backstory between Burnham and Spock and then, you know, and and then other little things, other little bits of information that give us insight into the characters that were ignored in the actual series in season 1 of Discovery and contradicted even in season 2 of Discovery. And the same thing happened now with this Countdown series. My understanding from the 2009 Countdown series that IDW published leading up to the Kelvin divergence is that the Federation and Vulcan were having no part in helping the Romulans. They were trying, but the Vulcans weren't ready to help and the Federation just wasn't up to snuff to support the Romulans and weren't ready to help. And so there's a bit of retconning happening in Kurtzman's own stories because Kurtzman was involved in the 2009 IDW countdown, and he's now involved in this one. So there's retconning happening, even with a 10 year gap. So I'm all excited about different styles and different ways of telling a story. I mean, Marvel does that wonderfully. They stick to a formula generally, but the films do vary in style and tone and, and direction. But there's a core foundation that usually remains, and I don't see that happening right now with Star Trek. Right. And we've talked and made the analogy before about like throwing everything at the dark board or everything at the wall and just seeing what sticks. I think I've understood and I've now honed in on my concern about that. And my concern about that is not about the varying styles and whether or not Star Trek is going to be dark or whether or not Star Trek is going to maintain the goal of representing our culture in science fiction, but instead these loose threads and these these inconsistencies that happen between series and, and between publications, I wish they would lock that down. I really just want them to lock down what is core Star Trek plot points, storylines, and consider that Bible.
0: So I've always been of the opinion that for me personally, it's canon until something in live action negates it or changes it, right? We've had canon inconsistencies before. I mean, from TOS to TNG, from TNG. Yeah, to yeah. But the thing, I think the difference here is that those were years apart and generally they were changed or amended for story reasons, right? I think the problem we're having here is that these inconsistencies are cropping up so close to. Together that it's right. really irritating. And not only is it irritating as fans watching this stuff and reading this stuff, but it makes us not want to go out and purchase those extra materials. Like, I literally did not go and get the Picard prequel novel, Collateral Damage, because I read Desperate Hours, and like you said, they ignored and contradicted things in there in the first two seasons of Discovery. So for me, it's like, well, why am I going to waste my time reading that book if none of it's going to feed into the bigger story that I'm experiencing or watching? And it's the same with these comics. Now, this Countdown comic is seeming to negate what happened in the 2009 Countdown comic, like you said. And it just
2: it makes... And yet it's supposed to be the prime timeline. Right. And the storytelling... the story- writing, not the story itself, but the story writing, is 10 years apart, right? The, oh, have you seen all those memes? You know, show yourself in 2009 and then 2019. Right. Well, in 2009, you know, Picard was an ambassador to Vulcan. You know, so, yeah, these inconsistencies are getting annoying.
0: There is a line in this comic that indicates the events in this comic could, in fact, be before the events in the 2009 Countdown comic, because they, they do say that they don't know when the supernova is going to happen. It could be years. So there is an out. Right. But it so far does not jive with everything else. And if if you read that 2009 countdown comic, you know that Data is the captain of the Enterprise-E at the time. Right. right. So how is that? I I highly doubt that that's going to fit into the Picard series. And if I'm not mistaken, that countdown comic was co-written by Alex Kurtzman. Yeah, it was it was. Like his name is on the cover of the comic, just like Kirsten Byers name is on the cover of this. I don't have a lot to add to your discussion
1: on this. I'm typically not a comic person. I enjoyed this one for what it was. I like the art in it. The illustration of the Odyssey and seeing that in something other than Star Trek Online is awesome. But yeah, I mean, I, as far as inconsistencies, I'm very curious where this leaves us with the series. How many flashbacks of Picard's life? I, I assume there will be plenty to kind of explain in visual storytelling where he got to where he is. So I I, I assume if there's inconsistencies in the comics, we're going to see more inconsistencies when the series starts. But that remains to be seen.
2: You know, I think that they should consider locking down a Bible, you know, locking down what is their own canon, their own outline of what can or cannot be done and adhere to that. Because I, like you, was really frustrated. You know, Desperate Hours was a great novel. And I liked that it informed a lot of my opinions of the characters and, you know, fleshed a lot of things out that we couldn't spend time on during season one of Discovery. But like you, I felt like I had wasted my time when all of that was negated. And it was supposed to be a prequel to Discovery. Now, to your comment about Collateral Damage, that is not a prequel to Picard the series. There is a novel that is going to come out in 2020 prior to the series premiere that is supposed to be, like Desperate Hours, something leading up to Star Trek Picard. But again, I'm excited about that novel, but I don't want to be disappointed if they completely go in the opposite direction or negate something from the novel. You know, I, yeah, let's lock it down. Let's lock down what, what Star Trek canon is, the way that Star Wars has locked up canon. But then again, Star Wars is one universe. It's not a multiverse. Either we need to just kind of be like, all right, well, canon isn't canon. Canon is not rigid. And we need to just start thinking of canon as fluid. Well, to expand on what you said, not
1: only does uh, storytelling glitches like that, not only does it hurt the storytelling in general, it also hurts an opportunity for current fans that have never watched the old series, the previous series, if there's a tie-in there, it might bring them into the greater Star Trek universe. I mean, There might be people that have never seen TNG that are watching Discovery and go, oh, well, let me Google this, and oh, well, I can watch more about the Borg here, but, you know, if those links don't exist, you can't do
2: it. I can already hear people saying, well, you know, there's a lot of canon. It's impossible to maintain that continuity. It's 50-plus years of canon, canon, canon. I'm not necessarily saying that we need to... I don't think we need to be rigid, and I think we need to be forgiving, because there are 50 years of storytelling, but at least in the last 10 years, let's be more cohesive. Stick with the story.
1: Well, my preference is if you're going to start fresh, if you want to ignore the previous history of of what's happened in Star Trek, A, you probably shouldn't be calling it Star Trek. And B, be straightforward about it. Just come right out and say, okay, we're starting over. This is a brand new from the beginning starting point maybe this is where maybe this is where J.J. Abrams went awry he started his own separate universe so that he could do whatever he wanted which was great he then tied it back to the Prime Universe and blew up a whole bunch of stuff in the Prime Universe which we're still (laughs) dealing with the repercussions of maybe that's what shouldn't have happened he should have just come right out and said this is a new story We're ignoring everything else. I think
0: the problem is, is that the creative teams don't want to adhere to canon because the original sin of the TNG era Star Trek was that they, because Ron Moore has spoken about this, that they literally could not do certain stories because of canon. They would say
2: collapse under its own weight.
0: Well, they would say, we want to do this. And they say, well, well, you can't do that. You know, this this wonderful, dramatic story. And they say, oh, you can't do that because we we did this earlier. And so that would negate this conflict. So I understand why they don't want to adhere to canon too much, and that's I respect them for that, but it seems at certain points that they are oblivious to certain aspects of the canon. And there are certain things like the Desperate Hours novel. There were details in that novel that were negated in Discovery Season 2 that had nothing to do with the story or the dramatic arc of that story like Una's dietary preferences. Right, and right, it's like right. why that's... can't you just adhere to those tiny little things that don't bear in on the story for us fans.
2: And for me that's the big one too. That's the the one that's closer to home for me because I I honestly don't think we're going to I honestly don't think that in the storytelling for what Star Trek is going to be on CBS All Access that we're going to see strict adherence to canon. I mean, we've seen it already. You know, it, it canon is a rope as a guardrail instead of a steel guardrail. You know, like I, I think that's a reasonable analogy. I, I love
0: that analogy, and I and that's what I want it to be.
2: And right, but and so what's important is that in this universe that you are now building, Mr. Kurtzman, if you're going to release a countdown series comic, if that's going to have your name on it, and you are the showrunner for Star Trek, please try to just maintain the continuity between the novels and then ultimately what we see on screen, because. I want to invest money in Star Trek. I want to buy these comics. I want to download the novel on Audible and listen to it to get to satiate that Star Trek desire between seasons and between series and whatnot. But I feel like I waste my money if if you don't stick to it, if you don't stick to what's being published months apart that are involved in your storytelling. I don't think that's unfair. I don't think that's unfair to ask.
0: No, and I, you know, I don't mind if they purposefully contradict canon for good reasons, but I feel like they're not even aware of certain aspects of the canon. And that's what I, that's all I'm asking is just be aware of it.
2: And when you can maintain it, maintain it. Well, that brings us to our first community question of this episode. Have you read Picard Countdown? If so, what are your thoughts? Let us know by writing in the comment section for this episode over at priority dot or wait till we post the community question on social media and reply there. In exciting news to Trekkies around the country, Creation Entertainment
1: has officially announced the first details for its 19th annual official Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. The dates announced for the 2020 convention are August 5th through 9th. The event will once again be staged at the Rio Suites Hotel and Casino. Currently announced headliners are William Shatner, Kate Mulgrew, Walter Koenig, and Jerry Ryan, with other celebrity names sure to be announced in the coming months. The 2020 event will also bring back the Nevada Pops Orchestra for a Sunday night performance. If you've never visited Star Trek Las Vegas before, or if you're eager to go again, be sure to check out the website for information on the world's largest Star Trek convention.
2: Well, what do you think? Are you guys going? No, I'm done. I'm not going. <laughs> I'm so I'm Perfect. Done. I can't. I can't do it other Perfect. year. Perfect. Now <laughs> I can go. I'm kidding. I will, of course, be there representing Priority One on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Hopefully, you guys can join me this year.
0: I will be there this year. I promise you that.
1: Curiously missing from the headliners, the currently announced headliners, is Mr. Picard himself.
2: I don't know that he does the rounds as much anymore. I think he did a lot in the last few years, gearing up to Picard. But he's usually one of those names that are added last minute or not at all.
1: I would think this would be a, a very important year for him to make an appearance. And I, I'll be, quite frankly, very surprised if he doesn't uh, show up at at least that convention this year. But
2: I th- And it's easy for him because they're filming in L.A. That's where key production is for Star Trek Picard. So it's a three-hour drive or, you know, a 30, 45-minute flight, whatever it is, from L.A. to Las Vegas. I'm pretty confident that he'll make a, an appearance, even if it's just for one day and he doesn't do signings and things like that. It's probably going to be something like that.
0: On the evening of December 2nd, after a short illness, the legendary Star Trek writer Dorothy D.C. Fontana passed away. As Star Trek.com wrote... Her importance to the universe of Star Trek cannot be overstated. Fontana's writing produced many of Star Trek's revered and beloved episodes like Journey to Babel. She also penned the animated series episode Yesteryear, as well as co-writing TNG's pilot Encounter at Farpoint and episodes of Deep Space Nine. Fontana was particularly instrumental in developing the depth of Vulcan culture and the struggles of the half-human Spock to reconcile himself with that culture. DC boldly blazed a trail for women's acceptance as sci-fi television writers. Her writing credits can be seen in many beloved programs within and beyond sci-fi. Those credits include The Waltons, Bonanza, Babylon 5, and The Six Million Dollar Man, among others. In recent years, Fontana filled the role of senior lecturer at the American Film Institute. She is survived by her husband, Dennis Gotek. To read the news on the official Star Trek site, follow the link in our show notes. And if you wish to make a donation in memory of DC Fontana, her family would like donations to go to the Humane Society, the Best Friends Animal Society, or the American Film Institute.
2: Captains, that's all we have for this week in Star Trek news. Now, let's turn to the world of Star Trek gaming.
1: Computer, status report. Status. Incoming message.
2: I'm only in the mood for good news today. Was that a flash? I'm in a strange place. I look around. This isn't outer space. There's snow on the ground and musical sounds. I'm back in Q's winter wonderland. Yay! Encore. That's right. The Star Trek Online Winter Event is in full swing, and Q has brought a plethora of new goodies and treats for all the good little cadets and warriors. As we mentioned on a previous show, players can obtain the new Tier 6 Fakiri Farang Dreadnought Carrier. We've already gone over the stats, console, traits... But if you want more details on the ship powered by the Nightmares of Klingons, then check out the show notes. (laughs) Also, with the new event system fully engaged, you can now participate in almost any of the winter activities once a day to earn your daily progress towards the Farang Carrier. As for the rest of the presents Q has brought with him, this year's nanopulse weapons are black and deal plasma damage. There are three new holiday-themed space bridge officer manuals as well. For engineers, there's Let It Go, an endothermic damage-over-time ability that also debuffs. Science officers can get It Is Very Cold In Space, an area of effect that slows enemies and periodically does cold damage. And finally, best served cold is for tactical officers, which will cause cold damage to occur whenever an enemy takes energy damage.
0: There's also two new winter weapons available, a hand thrown impaling device made out of extra snowman decorations and a candy vine version of the Ferengi whip. And of course, you'll need to keep warm in one of the many costume options introduced this year three new holiday sweaters are available, and finally, a Breen costume. This costume will be available throughout the event in the Winter Wonderland store and can be purchased with the ornaments. And it is also available in the low store. After the winter event ends, you will only be able to purchase it from the low store. Starships, of course, can also join in on the dress-up fun with a new Fakiri vanity shield. Q's Winter Wonderland event is available on all platforms until January 2nd. You guys excited for the Winter Wonderland? I did not know about the Candy
1: Vine version of the Ferengi Whip until you read it. (laughs) And I have got to get that right now. That is amazing. Yes, I'm excited. I always like uh, Q's Winter Wonderland. I like um, uh, that it's uh, not as serious and heavy as the rest of the Star Trek lore.
2: Uh, This is exactly what I want from a winter event. Well, the big news, like the really big news, well, one of the big pieces of news, is that now all the activities contribute to the progression towards the Ferran carrier. That's never been done before for a winter event. You've only been able to earn the progression through two of the events in
0: the past. Only one, just, just the race, just the ice race. Yeah, the ice skating, just the race.
2: To be honest with you, in, in, for the last several years, I'd log in once a day to just do the, that race to try to progress through but now this this could very well entice me to log in daily participate in something and and maybe get a ship not that i'm you know not that i have my eyes set on that or anything but you know at least it's something you know oh my
0: god that ship is amazing it looks cool it set things on fire and sends ghosts in space how could you not want it
2: it's just I don't know. I I guess when Alex Kurtzman does something like that in Star Trek I'll I'll be like, all right yeah then then I'll it's just not for me.
1: I'm not sorry me. if Alex Kurtzman does that in Star Trek, we would all call him out for being uh, like for
2: taking things <laughs> way too far <laughs> right, right. I, so I don't know it's not it's not for me. it's not for me. it's okay.
0: One interesting note was the buyout option for this event is not zen-based, it is low-buy based, low-buy crystal based. Oh, that's painful. And I don't know how I feel about that.
2: (laughs) Honestly, I think they're experimenting. Because we talked about this when the buyout first came out, was why not do this with something like low-buy or latinum or something like that. I think this is experimental. Because low-buy are earned when you purchase master keys to open a lockbox. Now, you don't necessarily have to spend real money to buy a lockbox key because they're available via energy credits in the exchange I don't know man I don't I, I wonder what the numbers are behind the scenes with low buy. Are like people just swimming in low buying? is that is that what's happening? cuz I'm not and I've been playing this game for ten years I'm not
1: sure what people's accounts are holding, but uh, yeah, it's a hard currency to obtain. The numbers last I knew were about four to five low buy
0: average per box opened. You can, and I will tell you, um, when they do the Infinity promo, which we're going to talk about in a minute, you are guaranteed 10 low buy when you open an R&D pack with, with the Infinity promotions. That's the only time I ever go after low buy is when I'm guaranteed Ten low buy in each in each open. At first, I was a little upset, but then it occurred to me maybe this is th- their way of making the event ships a little bit more special. So like promoting to play in the event more than just forking out the cash to pay for it. You know what I mean? So like maybe the winter event and the summer event, the buyouts are low buy, but the rest of the you know monthly events, so to speak, are are are. Zen, which can be purchased with cash. So I'm, I'm hoping that's what it is. But then again, if it's something I want, like the ship, I'll play, I'll play for it every day. Like I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna spend cash. Yeah, I, th- I think this is a great way to
1: discourage people from buying out, because mm-hmm. uh, not many people have low low-by. I'm looking at it right now in game, and it's saying it's a thousand lowby crystals to buy out the event if you have not put anything into it. And of course, we know that as you make daily progress, that number is going to uh, reduce.
0: And just for comparison, that's about 150 more than I think the most expensive ship is in the low by
1: store. Yeah, isn't it uh, 800 average or is it 700 average for ships?
0: I think it's 850 is the most expensive ship, maybe 950, but it's not, it's not 1,000 or more.
2: And so what does that translate to in... Dollar amounts. Can anybody do the napkin math on that real quick?
1: So the average by opening lock boxes is four point two five. Now, if we assume, what is it, a dollar twenty five per? If you're paying the maximum price for a key, it's a dollar twenty five per key.
0: Per key, yeah.
1: A dollar twenty five would be two hundred ninety four dollars and eleven, uh, twelve cents. Two
0: hundred and forty nine dollars. Two
1: hundred and ninety four, uh, nearly three hundred dollars. Good God. That's assuming you maintain the average. Now, uh. Your mileage is obviously going to vary because you can get, I believe it's between four and a hundred low per box that you open. So if you're very, I've never gotten a hundred, maybe it's 50. It might be 50. I think you're right,
0: but I've never gotten a hundred. I, I have
1: on several occasions, but it's rare. The weird thing about the number generator for that is the times I have seen high numbers of low buy are also the same boxes I've opened that have given me a ship. So I'm not sure if the two are linked, Mm. but it's just very coincidental that a lot of times that I get a ship, I also get a sizable
2: chunk of lobi as well. And this is coming from Skiffy, who has spent a lot of money in Star Trek Online, so much so that he was one of the lucky few who was awarded the gold Ferengi Nandi warship.
0: No, Negus. Negus.
2: Negus warship, yeah, a few years ago. Uh, with a nice little care package that was sent out to the whales of Star Trek Online. Skiffy is, in fact, a whale of Star Trek Online. Speaking of, why don't you talk to us about jellyfish?
1: In what can only be described as more Kelvin timeline influences, Spock's jellyfish ship from the 2009 Star Trek movie is now available as a choice in the Tier 6 promotional ship pack, which will be available in purchased R&D packs available in the C-Store. When opening an R&D pack, you'll either receive 10 Lobite Crystals or the Tier 6 Special Requisition Pack. The Jellyfish, or Vulcan Experimental Scout Vessel, comes with a Commander Science Pilot Station and a Lieutenant Universal Miracle Worker Station and an Ensign Universal Station. It comes with the Universal Console Eject Red Matter, which will create a gravitational anomaly that will not only draw in foes, but other anomalies as well. It also boosts phaser damage and starship particle generators. The starship trait is Slippery Target. When activating Pilot Abilities, or Aux to Dampeners, you will gain a significant amount of damage resistance. And as an added bonus, this ship comes, equipped with the Red Matter Capacitor Ship Device. This device was once only available as a pre-order bonus when the game launched, or currently only available in the Phoenix Prize Store. The Jellyfish also comes with a Quad Micro Photon Torpedo Launcher, which has a higher recharge rate than a normal Photon Torpedo Launcher. This R&D promotion is scheduled to go until January 2nd, and is available on both PC and console versions of the game. Be sure to check out the show notes for full details and ship stats.
2: I want this ship just for the effect and the animation, because I'm a fan of it. However, what I really want is a mirror version of this ship, like the one that we saw from... Oh, my gosh. Ty- ...from uh, Star Trek Fleet Command on the mobile. Look, I, look, they got all of these people together in one big conference room. I'm sure they were all fed and wined and dined to talk about the interconnectivities of Star Trek and how we can all share resources. We're all part of the same IP. So, Star Trek Online and get that get that mirror get that mirror version of the jellyfish and make it a, a nice a nice mean escort pilot escort come on
0: you you know that you can put not only the terran vanity shield on it but you could also put a nice a nice purple vanity shield on there to give it that that nice, that nice look you're looking for.
2: No, no, because the the one in Star Trek Fleet Command has more... It's not as curved, as nicely curved as the jellyfish. It has a few more right angles to make it look a little more menacing. And, man, do I want to fly that ship.
0: Well, I agree. The aesthetics of this ship are cool. Um, but it's such a minor part of the Kelvin story. I just, like... Uh, Not if you read the comics. True. That is true. I don't know. I, the Kelvin stuff just doesn't excite me at all. I, I don't know what it is. I, I, lo- I love the movies. I love two of the Kelvin movies. Um, but the stuff in the game just, like, doesn't excite me. You know what does excite me in the game from the Kelvin timeline? Is the Android Bridge Officer.
2: Now, people do have a lot of concern and have expressed frustration that the jellyfish is being released on in an R and D promo. And now my understanding about that frustration is because this is fresh off the heels of a previous event. Is that wh- why are people upset that it's an R and D promotion and not a ship that you can either purchase or or have it be the winter event for instance? The
1: issue is that the, the R and D packs themselves to flat out buy them are what are they twice as expensive as a lockbox key at full price? Maybe even a little bit higher than that. Now, the odds of winning the ship are supposed to be uh, appropriately adjusted. So if you're putting two and a half times the amount of money to buy a box, it's supposed to be two and a half times uh, more likely that you get the ship. But I'm not sure that that's necessarily perfectly translated through or that people uh, are still willing to invest that much in them.
0: I'll be honest with you, this is the only time that I try to go after a ship is when there's an R&D promotion, because I find that I am way luckier with those than I am with lockboxes.
2: Well, in a tweet from Star Trek Online this past week, it was revealed that the Phoenix Prize pack will be sticking around indefinitely. Only on PC, though. And you won't be able to claim a free pack anymore. It's unclear as to what precipitated the change, but we do know that this change will be coming to the console version very soon.
1: So we
2: can't claim a free pack anymore
0: indefinitely? Are they never bringing that promotion back? They said, and I quote, it is suspended. So I believe that they are intending this to be a dilithium sink and a lot of people have wondered how this will affect the dilithium exchange if if it will at all uh, whenever this would come around usually usually every other time this would come around i would sink hundreds of thousands of dilithium into this because there's a few there's a handful of items in the epic and very rare slots that i that i don't have So I would sink hundreds of thousands of dilithium into this to get those boxes. Because the worst case scenario is you can get tons of the Phoenix tech upgrades. Uh, Worst case scenario. And, and I have a lot of characters, so even if I get, you know, even if I get a bunch of the, you know, uncommons or common or uncommons or rares, I can use them to get, you know, m- miscellaneous items that I don't have on those characters. So I don't really mind this at all. I actually, I actually kind of like it because now I can just go buy more when I need to. I know it's a net positive,
1: but I appreciate the irony that this is a dilithium sink to buy tokens that prevent another dilithium sink from taking all your dilithium.
0: But I'm also paying for the chance to get some really cool stuff that I didn't get before. <laughs> oh, yeah, very true. Like very, it just occurred to me today. And this is a pro tip, everybody. This should have been this should have been the weekly top tip. They just released the EMH Mark One Bridge Officer in Muds Market, which was a you know I believe a convention exclusive from years ago. Correct. Well, I discovered earlier today that that same EMH Mark One Bridge Officer is actually in the Phoenix prize store as a rare drop. So if you have a rare Phoenix uh, prize voucher, you can just go pick one up for that, for one character, but still. All right. And now for some
2: upcoming events in Star Trek Online. Next weekend on PC, captains can participate in a Zenkethi Red Alert weekend from December 12th to the 16th. Captains on console will have a bonus marks weekend that same weekend, the 12th to the 16th and the following events are for both PC and console platforms. To kick off the R&D ship promotion, there is a research and development weekend from now until December 9th. Hearts and Minds returns the 12th through the 14th. Both platforms will have a bonus experience weekend from the 19th to the 23rd. And finally, there is a Borg Red Alert weekend scheduled for December 26th to the 30th. So there's a lot to do this December. And now it's time for the top tip.
0: In an effort to lend a hand to new players, or even surprise the most veteran captains in Star Trek Online, here's our top tip. With the new event system giving players a choice of which event to run for their daily progress in the Winter Wonderland, you can now stow your own way. But what if you just want to hop in, get the progress, and hop out? Well, as with years past... The fastest game on ice is the only activity that isn't part of the map rotation activities. It's available as soon as you log in, assuming it's been more than 20 hours since you last ran it. So I thought I'd give my yearly tips on running the ice track as smoothly and efficiently as possible. First off, don't use ice boots. I know it may seem like a good idea, but ice on ice will make you crazy fast on the straights And when you get to a turn, you'll launch yourself up a snowbank faster than Clark W. Griswold Jr. and land out of bounds. Then you'll have to start the race all over again. The best thing to do is just run as fast as you can down the straights. And when you get to a turn, you have two options. Either you roll by tapping the W key twice on PC or by pressing the R3 analog stick button on consoles. You can either roll straight or you can roll in the direction of the turn, your choice. The other option is to jump and stop moving forward. If you just jump straight up, when you land, you'll stick to the ice without sliding. Once you're planted, just start running in the new direction. Once you've done this a few times, you'll also start to learn when and where you can run through some of the smaller turns. Hopefully one of these methods is helpful. And if you'd like to see a visual of this tip, check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash P1 network. Thank you, Anthony.
1: Elijah, what do we have in other gaming news?
2: It's been over three years since the Star Trek Adventures RPG hit store shelves, and almost a year and a half since the popular show Shield of Tomorrow streamed its final epilogue episode on the Geek & Sundry network. The program showcased veteran role players crewing the USS Sally Ride throughout her perilous adventures on the brink of war with the Klingons. It even crossed over into the Star Trek Online time frame. In recent weeks, though, Shield of Tomorrow's Game Master, Eric Campbell, has taken to Twitter and YouTube to announce a new Star Trek Adventures project, Clear Skies. The project is in partnership with Modifius Entertainment and Star Trek Online, and will be streaming on the Twitch channel of Q Times. Returning names from Shield of Tomorrow include actors Sam DeLeave, Gina DeVivo, Bonnie Gordon, Xander Jenneret, and Aki, along with Eric Campbell himself. Campbell clarified on Twitter that the show will be set in 2381, roughly six years after the Dominion War. The story will not be a direct sequel to Shields of Tomorrow, but is described as a spiritual successor. Campbell also instructed followers to stay tuned for more news on how Star Trek Online will be involved. To check out the teaser trailer, follow the link in the show notes. And if you'd like your very own gold admiralty card for the USS Sally Ride, then set course in Star Trek Online to the Narendra system. Pull up to the ship and open Hailing Frequencies.
1: And our next community question. Have you seen the Shield of Tomorrow show? Are you excited for Clear Skies,
0: and do you plan to watch it? That's it for this week in gaming news. Now let's open Hailing Frequencies and hear your incoming messages.
2: Message coming in,
0: sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each
1: other.
2: Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages.
0: Last week, we asked you, if you could join the production crew of any Star Trek series, what would your dream job be?
2: From Facebook, Jamal Taylor writes in, dream job? Tough call. If the series used physical filming miniatures, I would love to work on that. If not, then Canon or Continuity Czar, heading a team of Trek historians to make sure we don't step on anything that's happened or ignores the stories, facts, and sequences of events that have been established already. We have veto powers unless there's a very compelling reason to rehash something. Oh my gosh, somebody hire him today. Yes, let's hire let's hire Jamal. Let's hire a lot of people. To make sure that the writers' room identifies nanotechnology as being too similar to the Borg, and a big slimy black tar-like creature as something that killed Tasha Yar. Uh, I'm sorry, Elijah. Do you have any specific examples? <laughs>
1: uh, those are those, you know. That's... <sighs> From Twitter, Annika Skywalker crosses universes to say, I want to work on a Starfleet Academy teen melodrama about cadets Lorca, Giorgio, Cornwell, Hike, and George Kirk, a.k.a.
0: The Doomed Squad. Ah, The Doomed Squad. From Facebook, Sean Dion writes, Producer, I want those scripts. Weapons and ship designs, character bio, and development.
2: Over on Facebook, Johnny Martin writes in, I actually had the privilege of working on the fan production Star Trek Continues before legal action forced them to cease and convert to a reproduction set series tour. It was an experience I'll always treasure.
0: I believe we've been to that set reproduction tour.
2: Well, that wraps up episode 440 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends.
0: But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like Diana Gunther, Darnell Dwayne Ross, David K. Rutley, Joshua Selig, and Peter Archibald.
1: And before we go, here's our community questions for this week. Have you read Picard Countdown? What did you think? Also, have you seen The Shield of Tomorrow show? Are you excited for Clear Skies,
0: and do you plan to watch it? Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard, and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at priority on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash priority1podcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at priority1pod.
2: Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to Priority One, of Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Just do a search for Roddenberry. There you'll find us and our friends on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with
1: Winters and Cat and the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest Star Trek online and Armada news as well as spotlight some of the amazing members in our community. Each week, we team up with you, the viewers, to earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. With regular giveaways, there is something for all STO players, new and old. Follow us on our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of
2: Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, then please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't
0: forget to tune into Priority One Productions Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up-to-date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets.
2: Thanks to our audio editors, including William Hardy, Brandon Parker, Rand Hurl, Daniel Stevens, Roscoe McQueen, and Skiffy. Skiffy, thanks for filling in for Cap this week. Oh, thanks for having me. I always enjoy it. Thanks to our producer, Jake Morgan, for assisting in the production of our weekly show and video recap, along with support from associate producer Shane Hoover. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry Pomper, with support from Jason Smith of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support... None of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Sue no. Engage. Transfer complete.
0: I am stuffed. (laughs) Pun intended. What do you mean?
1: Stuffing? Sure.
2: Yeah. Womp womp womp. (laughs) Have fun editing that, Brandon. (laughs) You're killing me, Smalls
1: in what can only be described as more Kelvin timeline penetration. Spock's jellyfish. Oh, really? Yes, really? What's in this
0: script? I, I'm sorry. I, it's, that's how I feel. Feel free to rewrite it, because that's how I feel.
2: It's been over three years since the Star Trek Adventures RPG hit store shelves, and almost a year and a half since the popular show, 2, streamed its final episode. Wait, what? I don't know where this two came from, or why it's there. Somebody
1: dropped a deuce in the middle of our script.
0: Yeah, that, I don't know, somebody, I'll have to look at the thing for that. Um...
2: Oh, okay. It's been over three, it's been three years <laughs> since the Star Trek game. <laughs> it's been... I used to sing been... that
0: song in karaoke.
2: Oh, yeah. Definitely. And the sound effect that it makes. I, I, all, <laughs> all I can
1: think of is, uh, is uh, space balls now.
0: <laughs> the radar?
1: Yeah. Mr. Radar? No, 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 no. The, uh, the science. Uh, the beeps, the creeps. Yeah, the, the beeps, the creeps, and the sweeps. The what, the what, the what? And now it's time for the weekly top tip.
0: Uh, Actually, can you just change it to top tip? Because we're going to do it every other week now.
1: And now it's time for the bi-weekly top tip. (laughs) All right. It's now time for the occasional top tip. Play me out, Johnny. I like that better. By the way, Anthony, uh, side note, I do have a top tip uh, idea for you for next week.
2: Oh, great. Top tip right here. (laughs)
0: Elijah, please. If I couldn't penetrate the Kelvin timeline,
2: <laughs> yeah, he left it if a D pen, man. If the Kelvin you, you should be lucky. <laughs> you
0: should be lucky. I didn't use the word probe because oh, that was wow. also ah! <laughs> going to be one that I used. Oh, I'm so sad. In <laughs> what only in what can only be described as the Kelvin timeline probing, canon or continuity?
2: Continuity.
0: <laughs> that's for the real. <laughs> that's for the gag reel.
2: Podcast.
1: The Roddenberry Podcast Network.